We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This thing on? See, now I'm getting mad. Because it's getting ready to be on. I want my whiskey to bite me a little bit. This is the kind of psychopath that I hang out with. I got beat up outside of a Denny's. The Rock Pile Report with Buffalo Bills season ticket holder, Drew Gear. He likes to get in the ex's nose. Something I can't do with this podcast because I drink too much. Chris Kruger. My rollerblading blonde mohawk producer. The pettiest, hardest drinking Bills podcast. I'm an adult. I know what I'm about. Everybody to another edition of the Rockpile Report Podcast. I am your host, Bill Season Ticket Holder Drew Gear. That's my producer, Chris Kruger. And Chris, we're sitting here in studio with only our third in-person guest ever, Mr. Hugo Carmona from Portugal. Third guest in the new studio. As we celebrate the fact that the Buffalo Bills have clinched the playoffs. And you know how we do that here on the Rockpile Report Podcast. That's what Moose said. Hugo, first of all, are you excited to have your first taste of Moosehead? Hell yeah! <laughs> I love it. Here we go. Sir, I'll pop a top for you. Thank you very much. Chris, it was something. This this weekend's experience at the game was something. I got I got to have both of you people. Cheers, Hugo. I got to have both of you at the stadium with me. Chris, for the first time all season. Yeah, it's like somebody relapsing. (laughs) Give me that hitter. (laughs) I need the Bills home game. Guys, for those of you who haven't been following along to the uh, hashtag Portuguese in Buffalo that's been trending, uh, Hugo Carmona, Buffalo Bills fan from Portugal of all places, and and you come here in winter. Now, this isn't your first trip. You were here with us back in 2019. Uh, he attended the Cincinnati Bengals game and the New England Patriots game with us. And he decided that he wanted to come for his very first cold weather game. It's just incredible to think that you're here with us right here now, considering where all this started. I mean, what? first of all, why don't you say hi to our listeners and tell them how you became a Bills fan? Oh, hello. And uh, so basically, I was uh, grilling some meat or fish, I don't know, at the time. And um, 
I wanted something instead of heavy metal and I said, okay, let's see what Matt Waldman has in terms of podcasts. And at the time, he was talking about running backs uh, with these guys from Rockpile Report. So, okay, let's just listen. And I basically just love the the attitude. I think uh, down to the to the earth. I think not taking themselves too seriously. And um, the Bills seems like my club. So a club that uh, is always either on the brink or suffering and um, doesn't win shit for oh, a lot of time. <laughs> and, the ref- time. and the referees give you a hard time. Yeah, <laughs> you just never get a pass. Yeah, I have. I, I either the either from the Bills, I still haven't got over the Texans game when the guys <laughs> came from the stands and I, what the fuck? Yeah. It was like why? It's like if this happened in a soccer game, the world would end. I think that's the difference <laughs> because they're each each club are there for themselves. There are some small groups, but that's just because of money. It's like one would be lost, like in a Champions League a playoff, would something like that happen, the world would end. So one of my favorites is you were just like, oh, if this was in, you were like, if something like what happened to the Bills on that touchdown that was called off the board for inexplicable reasons, an actual riot would break out. And I remember when Must you were, he- and I remember when you were here for the New England Patriots game, and you were ready. And about halfway through the game, you turned around, and I mean, there was a, there was Patriots fans. They were being loud, but you looked around, and you're like, this doesn't seem as rowdy as I was anticipating. I was like, no, because people don't get stabbed here. There's no riots when things don't go well. Yeah, I think that's... Uh, I mean, there are, but they're just confined to my basement. Yeah, the two biggest differences uh, is games with rivals. Uh, there's physical separation in the stadium. For example, if I went to go to see my uh, rival play at their own stadium, normally I have to get uh, in my stadium and get escorted by the police. Okay. So, and even if you show up with uh, your equipment at their own stadium, if you're not beaten up or stolen or stabbed, (laughs) stabbed it's a bit more of the old days, now it's getting calmer, Uh, but the police will take you to the special place that it's only that supporters that's chris can you imagine that the cops trying to separate patriots and bills fans yeah i can do i can see that you can see that yeah. see i just feel like both of us i don't know i feel like a lot of the boston fans we've come across are just fat and drunk <laughs> oh and that's another thing you cannot i feel buy- like i don't need to be separated from them they're not much of a they're not much of a threat yeah but you cannot buy alcohol in the stadium see that's crazy to me that is crazy to me. Uh, I think you remember when we arrived here, said, I need to buy a beer in the stadium because I'm not allowed to do that in Portugal. Yes. So your trip here, so you fly over, you made it. It was kind of funny. You were live tweeting your trip. And it st- I mean, out of all the flights that got canceled, that are getting canceled every day around the world, you somehow made it here with no disruptions, which is, hey, I'll drink to that. Cheers. And then... On top of it all, though, it was just funny how it's like Greg Thompson from Cover One. I know you're in their Cover One Slack channel. You talk to them a lot. Yeah. So he must have told you to watch the movie Casino. And that didn't go well because the planes need the still. Somehow we're in 2021 and planes still need physical like headphone jacks. Yeah, no, but the problem was that Casino was not a choice there even. 
Mm. But then, you, so so you go from Lisbon to France. Yeah, to Paris. Which was an airport that m- our friend Mark would never be allowed in because it's too fancy. It's Char- too nice. Charles de Gaulle. Yeah, they, they, they would have... They would have smelled the Arby's on him and been like, you don't belong here. <laughs> you, you, sir, are not alone. Like, they have dogs that are sniffing for drugs. Instead, they can tell whether or not you've hit a Miller High Life in the last 24 hours. I, you I get met, kicked out of the building. I imagine him trying to get into Herms or, or uh, Dior. Yeah. And, and the guy, and, and some, sorry, sir, I need to escort you to the door. And then they sick dogs on him. <laughs> So you make it over here to the U.S., you land, it's just the hustle and bustle of travel, and then you get here and you're at my house within a handful of hours of being here, and we have New Year's Eve, that was fun, you got to meet Chris's girlfriend, we all hung out, you brought us just a ridiculous, a ridiculous wealth of gifts, which I still owe you for, like I still owe you for some of the stuff. I don't know. It's a, a gift. Is a gift. The crown jewel was the 1985 port. Yeah, that's ugh. Chris's father was like. Yeah, my dad was like, "What is he doing walking around with that?" <laughs> He's like, "Well, he lives in Portugal, so like I know how much you like and enjoy Portugal wine. He lives there. He can just go get it. He doesn't have to. Like you have to go to a wine store and it's imported from Portugal, and then it's probably priced even higher." He just, he's there. He's in Portugal. Simple for him. And you also brought Chris and I these awesome shirts, which they're your colors. They're, they're, actually, they're actually called jerseys. Jerseys. Well, are they jerseys? Are they unis? What do they call them in? Camisoles. Okay. So he brings us the, and, and what's this crest right here in the chest? So explain this a little bit. Okay. So there, uh, when you are champion or when you win the Champions League, you are allowed to put uh, special symbols in the in the jerseys. Mm-hmm. So the one that you have have the traditional uh, champion symbol for the Portuguese uh, league. That's so, fantastic, and it's a rare thing because uh, when I was born in '82, champ, uh, Sporting was champion, and after that I had to wait until the 2000. <laughs> then 2002, and then 2004 we lost. To our biggest rival in one of the last plays in the game. Uh, and, and in the same week, we lost the Europa League. So it says, it's like, uh, it's a club of, of heartbreaks. See, and, and that's, I, I guess that's why I'm wearing it tonight. And that's kind of why I, I love the fact that you can embrace Bill's fandom. Because your team is a lot like our team. We share a lot of common threads. And you got to have your first snow tailgate. And it was Chris's first tailgate of the season. Now, let's talk a little bit about the day. I, I saw you. You spent a lot of the... First of all, what was it like getting there in the morning and just... Were you a little surprised by how early we get there and how just how close we are to the stadium for as early as we get there? Well, the first time, I, I, I was impressed. Yes, it is very close to the stadium. Um, now, this is the second time that I came here. I already know at least about the hours and about the closeness to the stadium. Uh, I think the difference now is the, the the weather conditions, which at last time I was here in the um, September shirt, yeah, and shirt in shorts. Now I had to bring <laughs> extra layers. <laughs> you brought extra layers, but what was funny is, and this is what I thought was layers. There's pictures over on our Twitter at Rockpal Report. At the end of the game, Hugo is shirtless, 
And he's in the stands, and the whole time, he's like, I don't understand what people are complaining about. It's not that cold. He'll go, can you explain what Moscow was like in comparison to what that was like here? I want them to hear it from your mouth. Okay, so Moscow was minus 24. And <laughs> minus at, 4 centigrade? Centigrade. <laughs> I, I, I think it's minus 11.2 or something like that. Jesus. Yeah, uh, so basically, I think the difference is uh, if you don't cover your extremities, like your ears or your nose, it starts hurting and probably you probably lose. I know after some hours. Yeah. Yeah. And that in the end of that uh, voyage, it started snowing, but real snowing. I think this was just a joke because you would I, I would get in a museum and when I would get out, it was like three or more uh, meters of snow. And I was like, uh, and someone say, oh, this is Russia. You choose a side. Go left or go right. There will be an opening. I tried it, and actually, there's an opening. So I just followed and hoped there was no... Uh, snow didn't collapse snow and kill you? Yeah, yeah, Jesus Christ. <laughs> See? Chris, further proof. Russia's a mess. Russia's a mess. Like in Russia, snowstorm drive you. Uh, yeah. yeah. Actually, when I went to that museum, I almost got killed. See, that, I was there. I remember you saying the guards kept coming out just to check and see if you were still alive. No, no, no. But that was before. So I went to buy the ticket. They don't speak English and they're, uh, they don't trust cell phones. So I had internet, Google Translate, but nothing. So we had to go by gestures and words that we could understand. So they went, if I went to see everything or just the, the museum. And I said, everything. So they point me to the side and I go to the side. Uh, and there's these um, jeeps and all, uh, and on a sign, and I now basically entered the door. And basically, there were like Russian soldiers. Someone pulled a gun on me, and I just showed my ticker. Like, don't kill me, ticket, ticket. <laughs> I'm here for the tour. Do not shoot me, I swear to God. Yeah. <laughs> basically, the, it, it was an old board that they forgot to take, and I almost got shot. Because oh, of that's hilarious. See, now that's the most Russian story I've ever heard. Oh, oh! Do you know the, Do you know how it was solved? How? So the the officer was a woman. Start yelling to someone to take out the board, and then tell this guy with golden teeth and holding two jugs with some sort of liquid. I don't know if it was water, vodka, whatever. So this guy, instead of leaving the jugs and go show me no, carrying the jugs, took me to the place that I was supposed to be. See, and he never put him down. Never. That's see. That's Russia. So now you come out of that environment and you come into the Bills game. So you're shirtless at the end of this. And we have some great pictures of you just at the end with the signage and you people staring at you like you're a lunatic. And I'm like, normally I'm the only one who gets that treatment around here. The day as a whole, the tailgate, just the experience. Chris, first of all, your first game of the season. Yeah. Probably only game of the season, right? Yeah. I won't be there next week. Got to work. What was it like for you? What, what, what did being there on Sunday mean for you? It was like an attic relapsing. I was, Give <laughs> you me did, that tailgate hitter. You didn't realize that you missed it until you were there, did you? Yeah. It was a phenomenal time. The game was great. I hate Atlanta. Bills win. Got to meet Iman. This is it. So I watch you, Hugo. You spent a lot of time chatting up Iman from uh, Q42 Barbecue, which is the official barbecue company of both the Rock Power Port tailgate and my refrigerator. Um, you were chatting him up a lot. I know you grill a ton in Portugal. Did you learn anything from him over the course of those conversations? Yes. Uh, I think the um, the difference, I think, uh, 
in Portugal. Um, we normally don't use these types of sauces. We basically use meat and salt and that's it. Uh, so it was uh, very good at least to learn a new style of, of, of grilling. What was your most enjoyable part of the day? The Bills win. <laughs> it's, it's like this. I, I never went shirtless on a sporting game. Let me tell you that. <sighs> I'd see. And so we got to check something off your lifetime bucket list yeah. here in Buffalo, New I York. I didn't know it was in the bucket list, but it's off now. <laughs> no, it's off now. Guys, the Bills win. We're going to dig into that. But before we do, he's brought something with him, a pair of Portuguese beers that we're going to try here on the Rock Pal Report. And I have to do this blind because he has a favorite and he says one of these is not his favorite and that a piece of our friendship relies on which one of these I choose. So with that, I'm going to close my eyes. and I'm going to let Chris open these. Now, Chris, why don't you tell the listeners what they're called and you can tell them where they're from. A little bit of backstory. I can't tell you. I can't tell our listeners what they are because you'll hear it. You idiot. There's two of them. Okay, yes. I, I can I can say so. I can explain. Hugo. So can basically, explains. there's two big brands uh, in Portugal, Superboc and Sagres. Um So if you go uh, to a restaurant in Portugal, or if you go probably to some places in in New York or uh, Toronto, where's the big Portuguese community, you'll find uh, either one or the other. Okay, so. I'm about to sip a Portuguese beer. Let's let's take a hit here. First of all, I like it. I can. It smells a little malty, but also it smells like it might be a little bit lighter. Just based on the profile of, I don't know. Let's see. All right. See, that was a very drinkable beer, but it's got kind of a dark, almost amber thing going on. I kind of like that. It finishes smooth. It's got a great flavor to it. It's a good beer. Yeah. I like that. Here you go, beer two. All right, beer number two has a very similar smell to it. Let's see. This one seems a little bit lighter, a little bit stringier. I don't know. There's something different about this one. It's a lighter beer. Chris, when we talk about mouthfeel, when we look at beers, this one strikes me as like a, I don't know, like it leaves like a funny aftertaste in my mouth. I'm not sure I'm a fan of this one as much as I was the other one. Now, Hugo, I'm going to open my eyes. Which one of the... What did I just drink? Okay, the first one was a Superbok, and the second was a Sagres. Okay, now which one is your favorite? Superbok. Hell yeah, see? Yes, we're still friends. <laughs> Finally. Finally. So let's talk about this Buffalo Bills game, Chris. Hell yeah. Bring out the Superbok. Here. You're going to have to drink that, too. Here. What? I already had some. I took a sip. Oh, I'm going to give Hugo the other half of that super box since it's one of his favorite beers from Portugal. <laughs> ah, as we let's let, let's just jump into this. We we've spent enough time talking. Now we've got Hugo here. He can help us give some insights. And our listeners, like, first of all, do you? Before we move on, your time here in Western New York. You've gone to 26 shirts. You're actually wearing one of the coolest shirts I've ever seen. I gotta go buy one. It's a, it's a Master of Puppets themed metal, like Buffalo Bill shirt. It says Master of Process with a set of clapping hands over. Chris, that's one of the coolest shirts I've ever seen. Yeah, I like it. I haven't seen that anywhere on Twitter. I'm gonna go buy one this week. You've been to 26 shirts. You've been around town, done the wing tour. You're, you're having pizza and wings from wise guys with us tonight. I don't think a wing tour ever stops. 
There's so many different places. To go you're to. going That's to the excuse. You're going to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame tomorrow, and the Pro Football Hall of Fame, and the Pro Football Hall of Fame. That's a lot for a day. And Greg Thompson. Yeah. Yeah. I I dare you to tell him that Chris said he has better hair. Well, I do. I have the best hair in Buffalo media, whether it's your traditional media space or your alternative media space, as in podcasts. Yeah, Me, not, number one, Greg Thompson, number two, Joe Biscali, number three, Matt Perino, number four. You'd okay. almost think I'm I'm the one drinking, but you'd think he's hammered, right? Well, I, I don't know why normally I'm, I don't uh, notice much about uh, man's hair, so. See, good on you, sir. See, good on you. But so you're going to, you, you're going to take some time this week, explore the country, and you'll be back to see the next football game with us before you leave the country. Yeah, let's see if I don't have any more adventures because they say that uh, tomorrow night uh, there's going to be a snowstorm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I can't wait. But so as far as this past weekend's adventure, week 17 recap, the Bills 29, the Falcons 15. Here are your stats of the game. Matt Ryan, 13 to 23, 56%, 197, no touchdowns, no interceptions, five sacks, 84.9 rating. Josh Allen. 11 of 26, good for 42%, one of his lowest marks of the season. 120 yards, no touchdowns, three picks. I I don't even want to talk about the rating. It's abominable. Atlanta, nine passing first downs. The Buffalo Bills, eight passing first downs on 77 fewer passing yards. Wide receiver Gabe Davis, three for three, 40 yards, three first downs, 100% 100% catch to first down ratio. The Buffalo Bills, 233 yards and four rushing touchdowns. Devin Singletary, 102 yards after contact. Josh Allen, 81 yards after contact. 75% of all Bills rushing after contact. Bills third and fourth down conversions allowed. One of seven on third. 0 for one on fourth. Atlanta's second-half offense, 24 plays, two drives of 12 yards, 83 total yards for the half, and zero points. The first thing I want to talk about when it comes to recapping this game, being in the stadium, Hugo, you were there and it happened right in front of us. What went through your mind when you saw Stevenson fumble the ball for a safety in our own end zone? Here we go again. (laughs) Here we go, because you're like, I'm used to this. Well, I know that the Bills are the strongest team in that regard, and even if uh, they and they actually did some mistakes, we will probably um, win. But uh, you never know. Every given Sunday, as they say, it had to be frustrating to be like, "Wait a minute, what what's happening? Why is the ball?" Wait, and I remember you just looked at me, and I was like, "I was already shaking my head." I'm like, "I this is this is this is this is Buffalo Bills football, Chris." When the play happened, what was your first thought? Which play is this? The the Stevenson fumble that ended up in our end zone right in front of us. Well, clearly it was Ryan Sullivan's fault. <laughs> Everyone knows that. Because he's been rooting for him for yeah, so long? He's Steven- <laughs> Stevenson stan account. I think you might have even tweeted it. I did. <laughs> I let him know that that, that safety was uh, his fault. Well, this is the problem. Everybody has a complaint with this guy. In what little sports podcasting I actually listened to over the course of, like, between yesterday and today, the John Fina show. Out of all the podcasts that I'll listen to before I do my own show, 
I like listening to Fina because Fina, I don't know, he brings something a little bit different to the table. I mean, Hugo, you're a fan of that show. Yeah. Okay. He brings something different that I know I don't have to worry about it changing my view of the game or my view of things because it's unique. And his approach to this is unique because he's a former player. Like, there's no way I can crib what he's bringing to the table in terms of conversation. So I'm never worried that it's going to change how we would do this. And I think it's why I like him. And it's just interesting. I listen to that and I see all the comments that they're reading. And then I'm, there was this, you know, I dropped some peanuts on my ride into work and I was too slow and I couldn't cut off the radio before they started taking callers. And two of the callers back to back had nothing but complaints about Marcus Stevenson. Oh, the return situation. I get it. We're all fired up, but I need everybody to sit, take a deep breath and say it with me. Chris. Goose Fraba. See, now Hugo, say it once, see if it doesn't make you feel better. Goose Fraba. (laughs) Do you feel a little bit better? Yeah. (laughs) There might be some complaints about Stevenson's vision, which is warranted. I mean, you asked me the question, you were like, why does he keep running into, why does he just keep running into crowds of people? It's like, well, yeah, that's, that's probably not best. It's maybe a little problematic. He tends to, he doesn't have a feel yet for the, how lanes develop. I, but, but, but listen, there's a difference here. Kick return versus punt return. Punt return, you actually have to watch the ball into your hands and then run. Kick return, you get time, you see it coming, your blockers are set, and then the ball gets kicked and you can watch it. it it's a whole different animal. There's fewer moving parts. I give him, based on his youth, a little bit of a pass. I do. Because I think that with in, when when you return punts and kicks at the collegiate level, those guys are so, like, in the NFL, there are special teamers who were starters on their collegiate teams, who were star players that are now just special teamers, and they're just happy to be here. But they're the most athletic people you've ever seen. So those windows you used to utilize get smaller. Didn't also Stevenson only return kicks in college? Yeah, he was only a kick returner. He was never a punt returner. So, see, look, I love the fact that you know that. So, what happens is you run into a situation where you've got a kid who's learning how to do this one thing kind of on the fly. He had an injury shortened season. He's getting thrown into the mix because they didn't. McKenzie kept, McKenzie had that one fumble. And, all of a sudden, people go, well, he's terrible, too. And this kick return situation's a problem. First of all, it's a feel thing that you hope he gets a handle on. But the way some of peop- the, some people talk about it, you'd think he was worthless. Oh, he's not worthless. I think uh, with the Patriots, he did a very good job. Uh, I actually forgot uh, about... Uh, I should have uh, tuned into WGR to get the full Buffalo experience, especially since Andrew Roberts scored a touchdown. Yeah, no, no, time. you should have just to see my frustration. Like when I make the jokes about how like I almost had to bite my steering wheel, you'd understand within 20 minutes why I get so angry about this. Because here's the reality. McKenzie, right? He had those, he had his kick return and punt return duties taken away from him. Despite not having returned kicks in a number of games, today he is still ranked as the seventh in league kick return average. 
at 24.3 yards per return. Stevenson averages just below him at 23.6. If he had the reps to qualify for tracking in terms of, like Chris, you remember when Corey Bohorquez had so few punts that he almost didn't like qualify for stats? Yeah. Okay. Stevenson's in that same boat because he didn't really get a look until the Saints game. So he's so far behind, he doesn't have the reps to qualify for stats. But if he did, he would also be ranked 10th in the NFL for kick return average at 23.6. That's something everybody has to be able to get behind, right? Yeah. I mean, I'd be nuts to say, hey, I would turn down top 10 kick return yardage. And yet people around here acting like he's not good. Then, I understand ball security. Okay, you, I think some of this was blown up by the fact that on Hard Knocks, the, the Colts, who are doing one in season, pointed out the fact that they targeted Isaiah McKenzie and his ability to put the ball on the ground. They were like, we need to get after him because he will put the ball on the ground. Yeah, and wouldn't you know, he needed nobody to do that except gravity. Yeah, just gravity got him. Yeah, wasn't he cut by the Broncos because of that? Yes, his fumbling issues cost him his job there. So... I understand why people would why people would look at that and go, it's a glaring liability and anybody would be better. Again, here's a little dose of truth. McKenzie has two fumbles on the season and only one of them has been lost. That one in the indie game. Stevenson, two fumbles on the season. One during Atlanta that he picked up himself and ran for another 10 yards. And this one that got lost against Atlanta. And one touchdown that didn't count. Yeah. And yet, the guy that everybody seems to have in their head, like, everybody who has an opinion on this, who they're looking at, Andre Roberts, our former returner who everyone thinks is the gold standard for returning, he's got two fumbles on the season and lost one against Cleveland, a game that the Houston Texans were winning. And then that fumble set them up for a score that ultimately put the game away. Who's more? It happens. Our returner situation isn't nearly as dire as everybody's trying to make it out to be. Because when you look around the NFL, not only are we still fielding a top 10 return units, high level veteran options are making the same mistakes that our guys did. It's just that it it doesn't, we don't feel those mistakes because they're not happening to us. And they're cheaper. And they're cheap. Well, and this is it. We have youth on our side. I say, look, Andre Roberts is old. You look at the guys who are leading the NFL in kick return yards, they're old, and they're making the same mistakes our guys are. At least these guys could get better. They could grow. They could adapt. I'll take that over the alternative, right? Yeah, and I think also, at least from what I remember, that Andre Roberts, when he was called at least to be a receiver, not very good. Not very good. Look at Isaiah McKenzie. He almost, Chris, did he or did he not, much to your disappointment, almost win us the, uh, almost single-handedly win us the New England game. Yeah, okay, you did it once. Repeat it. Okay, but my my point is, is that Andre Roberts was useless as a receiver. I think our situation right now with potential returners on this roster is pretty damn good. And we all just need to accept the fact that they're not perfect, but they're not terrible by any stretch of the imagination. Now, speaking of fundamentals, 
this game was a wet dream for anybody who's ever played offensive line, coached offensive line, or just likes watching big uglies knock people around. Because our our rushing attack came out of nowhere. Resurgence. The first time we've really seen it, I think the way they envisioned it for all of 2022, 2021 and 22. I mean, that's got to be one of the game's biggest stories, right? Yeah. Okay. After deriding the Bills' love affair with rushing the ball all season, we all bitched about it. We all complained about it. We finally had a day where it was the reason we won the football game. It paced our offense. And not a moment too soon, because as the stats at the top of the show show, throwing the ball was not going well for Buffalo. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, actually, I think it was on um, uh, Joe Marino's uh, podcast. Did you listen today? Um, Lockdown Bills. Yeah, uh, that it. Uh, some caller um, asked the question, and I think there's a uh, stats to back it up that Josh at Holmes tries to be the hero, probably. And Cow- uh, cowboy football a bit, a bit. Well, no, <laughs> and they've referred to that. And you and I were talking about it at the stands, Hugo. Four drops in those first couple drives. And we were like, oh, why can't anyone make a play for Josh? Well, I'll tell you what. I mean, Knox, Singletary, Davis, and Diggs all had drops, right? Not Davis. Uh, yeah, the beginning of Knox, the game. Knox, Singletary. Was... Uh, ba, 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 I can't think of who the third, the fourth, the third Knox. one was here, but somebody had a drop in there. There was four. Did you mention Beasley? No, that was Beasley. Yes, Beasley. But that was a very tough. That was a very tough catch. It was. Well, and here's why. I go back with sober eyeballs and I rewatch that game yesterday, and I say to myself, "I'm watching Diggs walk off the field after that one drop, just shaking his hands out." <laughs> I, Josh hit him with an absolute piss missile, and so for as much as I'm over here going, everyone needs to step up and do more for Josh. Josh was a part of the problem on Sunday. Sometimes in these scenarios, specifically in the cold, I think, he doesn't realize that he needs to take a little bit off that pass. True. Playing soccer in cold weather, the cold ball is much... You you have to pass it, (laughs) even in soccer, when you're doing it with your feet, you have to pass it differently. Because it can't be received as well when you make a pass. It's harder to kick, and when you get hit by it because uh, in soccer you have to sometimes do a barrier yeah yeah so oh I, god I, I, I can't even imagine lining up in the cold and just taking a soccer ball to the oh god 
That's it. See, this is again. Actually, it's, it's actually, like, if you if you're thinking about that, I think there's a tournament. I think it is in South Africa, named after a, a goalkeeper that uh, got uh, shot uh, with uh, such strength in that area that he died. Oh my God, Chris! Moment of silence. Jesus Christ! It's a barbaric game, and they think football's barbaric. Jesus Christ! Oh. So this is the thing I know. When Beasley got here, Chris, he used to talk about how Josh Allen spent most of his first season trying to put the ball through him instead of throwing it to him. And it took him a while to kind of figure out how to take a, to take a schmidge off. I feel like he's still having those same problems in these moments. And that can't keep happening, right? Like, I... It's, it's another example of how his game is still evolving and how he's still learning as a quarterback. He doesn't have that soft touch yet. He's still figuring out when to take, when to take it, take a little bit off because Sundays. He those, can, he just thinks he's gotta chuck it into the, he thinks, the wind. I gotta cut this wind. I gotta throw a laser. Well, guess what? Your wide receivers would really appreciate if you didn't. I mean, I caught a pitch from my little brother once who could, to his credit, throw a four seam fastball in the high eighties. And I caught it once and it hurt my hand so badly that I had to go like it took everything in me to just like, oh, hey, that was cool. Yeah, it was real cool. Let me just take this glove off. Hey, my phone's ringing. Let me go around the corner and answer it. And I just went around to the back side of my car because I didn't want to cry in front of my brother. But that's how hard that it, it, I can only imagine what Chris, a Josh Allen pass in the cold. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't even imagine. So, it's wholly counterproductive, this thing that he does. He needs to rein it in. Our wide receivers weren't perfect, but I won't put any of the fault for our bad passing day on them. Because for the most part, they did their jobs. It's just in the moments where Josh tried to go to him early, it didn't work. I mean, Beasley had that bad miscommunication that ended up in a pick. Remember the interception where we were like, who is he throwing it to? Yeah. That was Beasley running the wrong route. I heard something about the illegal contact or... Yeah, but I don't buy a lot of that. It's like, listen, this is the NFL. You're going to get bumped. I haven't really seen the game, so I don't know. It's a team effort to only pass for 120 yards. <laughs> Nobody does that alone. Luckily for us, we had a few things working. First of all, Gabe Davis. Thank God for Gabe Davis. Three targets, three catches. He kept moving the chains. Maybe Josh's most reliable target on the whole day. Stefan Diggs notwithstanding. Gabe Davis seems like the, at least in soccer, so a lot of games and sometimes they start putting young guys in and it's like the guy that you call his number and he always produces. And normally you give him more chances to prove and if he keeps doing like that, he'll be a star in no time. But uh, here it's a bit different sport, but still is seems to be in a very good way. He's been clutch even uh, since last season. <laughs> He's he has been he's been marginalized this season, but now he's finding his stride at the right time. I think our offense is peaking because he's being more involved, and we also had a rushing attack that reared up and buried the Falcons' defense. Singletary had maybe his best game in a Bills uniform all season long. I mean, for fuck's sake, that's just the second two 100-yard... Chris, just the second 100-yard rushing performance that Josh Allen has had from a running back in his entire career here as a Buffalo Bills quarterback. 
Like he's gotten no support from that department since he got here. That was a game. That was a game he played. And when you look at what his his individual contributions and what the running back group did, 12 missed tackles forced, season high. Seven first downs for Singletary, a season high. Two runs of more than 10 yards, both coming behind Deion Dawkins. That's impressive because it's more than we've seen out of that group. When you look at that, we used to be bitching about, fuck the running attack. Stop running the ball, just throw it. Even if you have to throw it 45 times a game. This was the game where you couldn't because it wasn't working. How many more interceptions are you going to let Josh throw? They have his number. Fuck it, we run it down their throats. Did it work? It worked. <laughs> it fucking worked. Yeah, I, I would kind of want to see him do it against a run defense. True, but also those yards after contact numbers, Chris, those are... Those are grown men trying to tackle grown men out there. 102 of his 115 yards came after contact for Devin Singletary. Contact balance. Tell me that that doesn't... It is easily his most complete performance of the season as a running back. To me, that's inspiring. I like the fact that he's digging deep as the season wears on. Instead of just accepting the fact that, hey, our rushing attack is marginalized, he's finding answers he's trying to find ways to be the answer to our problems here yeah i think either also the whole team put themselves uh, behind josh and say hey josh we got it from here and uh, i think single terry is also uh holding on to his uh i say lead back responsibilities that they've given him now and this showing that he's probably uh comfortable and that's what he wants to keep doing going forward I, I think that one of the crazy things to me is that Zach Moss, Chris, when we drafted Zach Moss, we thought he was going to be what we saw from Singletary on Sunday. Power back, small guy, not the most explosive runner, but powerful in short areas enough that he can churn out yards regardless of, of whether or not you get your hands on him. That's who I thought we were getting. Zach Moss has now been relegated to a backup's backup duty. And Singletary has been the one out of all of our running backs who's kind of shining lately. Yeah, I remember Zach Moss was supposed to be the violent runner, and he showed at least a, a bit of that from what I remember. But then he disappeared. But none of this happens without our big uglies. I mean, none of it happens. I mean, Deion Dawkins, which... <laughs> I mean, Chris, I'd call him the hero of the game right now. Do you know who the real heroes are? The guys who wake up every morning and go into their normal jobs and get a distress call from the commissioner and take off their glasses and change into capes and fly around fighting crime. The defense the, 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 the defense of the Falcons came into this game ready for Josh Allen to pass the ball. You know what they weren't ready for? For our offensive line to maul them to the ground. And it happened. And Deion Dawkins led the charge on that front. He had maybe one of his best games of the season. In a season where you saw him make the Pro Bowl. Did you see Deion Dawkins as a Pro Bowler throughout the course of this year? Uh, when he, he was last year, right? No. Hmm? Or I don't know. If, has he already been a Pro Bowl or no? He's missed time this year. 
He's been in and out. He's been... He said COVID, so I would say no. He said COVID. He's missed time, and I don't think he's back physically from Oh, COVID. okay, okay, sorry. I misunderstood. No. Uh, so, if he has been to a Pro Bowl level this year, yeah. I think if it was this game, even the game against the Patriots was pretty good. Pretty good. This one was probably just chef's kiss. Mwah! Peace to resist us. Because he's not only great in pass protection, but he was violent in his run blocking. And that's what I need from him. I need to see him out in space, knocking down guys at the second level. Because if you're, if we're going to have any kind of a rushing attack, I mean, there, there's the cover one on Twitter. Go look it up. Go, go look at their Twitter feed. There's a play where Dawkins just takes this poor defensive back and just throws him out of the way. A Singletary comes running by, and that guy didn't stand a chance, and Dawkins didn't give a shit. I love it. That's what he is my hero of the game because he paced our offensive line, and they followed suit. I mean, Mitch Morse. Mitch Morse is a guy who we've been looking at all season as kind of being up and down, almost sometimes invisible. Like, you're not a difference maker for this football team. He looked more fluid in this rewatch than I've seen him in a couple weeks springy almost it's almost like he got younger <laughs> i don't i don't know how but he looked more energetic in this game than i've seen him in a long time spencer brown our man spencer brown solid in almost every phase of the game two pressures no sacks despite a scary moment do you remember that when he went down and he was laying yeah. there i grabbed you by the jacket hugo and i was like i swear to <laughs> i just involuntarily i started shaking you a little bit Turns out he just had the wind knocked out of him. Yeah, that's it. Just just wind knocked out of him. Then he got up and started talking shit and went back to the side. Back to normal. He he's not just I don't know, he I think he's proved this game cemented that he is starting right tackle material in the NFL. Not just his athleticism, but his developing awareness is what I love. On Allen's big run in the third quarter, it's third and three. On what would go on to be another Singletary touchdown. He had not only the wherewithal to help Daryl Williams, like he, he he's in space. Nobody rushed him. So he's he's out there, he's out there waiting for the delayed blitz, and then he looks over and sees that Daryl Williams is still locked up with his man and goes, Fuck it, we're gonna finish him. And just comes over and crushes the guy. Then he realizes Josh is still in the pocket and goes, Okay, time's up. We gotta go. And he bugs out and starts blocking at the second level takes out a linebacker and gets in the face of a cornerback and paves the way for a 14-yard gain for Josh Allen. Just stellar awareness. Stellar awareness. I love this guy. I love when the offensive linemen go find work. <laughs> See, exactly. See, and this is what I love. Someone who watches, someone who plays soccer, someone who watches soccer, isn't it nice when you just see a guy get out in the open field and go, listen, I'm just looking for people to hit. Because you're like, you, I can't do that in my game. Well, in soccer, not so much. But uh, <laughs> but there are guys who do that. Uh, but, yeah, um, it's nice, yeah. I think I think that physical part that uh, in the last few years uh, has been uh, taken out of the game by the rules, I think I think it's the only part of the game that you can still be physical. Yeah, and so it's nice to know that we have a rookie who's got a mean streak and also has some awareness and how to do it and do it well. Like, Chris, we talk about how he, he's the highest RAS score since Taylor Lewan. Now We talked about that in the 
in yeah. the offseason. He showed that. He showed that. I've got the chops to get. Josh Allen ran for 14 yards. Spencer Brown ran for 19. He would have If Josh Allen could have kept going and didn't get caught, Spencer Brown was going to keep blocking. He would have kept blocking people down to the goal line if it had mattered. And so it's just, it's nice to know that these guys have developed to that level. Now all of a sudden, and Darrell Williams was great, right? He didn't give up, he didn't provide much in the, in the rushing department, but he gave Allen time. He was one of our best pass protectors. It was just a day for our offensive line and our running backs responded. And then our defense closed things out. I, you, you'd be remiss if you didn't talk about the job that the defense did in the second half. Now, in the first half, you can't blame them. Turnovers. Josh Allen throws that pick in our end zone. That was uh, like on our half of the field. That was the one we very clearly saw. And we were just like, what the, what the hell? He threw it right to the safety. Well, Beasley was supposed to be there and he ran the wrong route. Whatever. Okay. So they get a field goal out of that. Now it's 15 to 14 and you're losing going into halftime. And you were going to leave with 10 minutes to go in the fourth if we weren't winning. I was apoplectic. Oh no, I told everybody, I go, listen, when the fourth quarter rolls around, if we're not winning, I'm going to storm out of this piece. And Hugo's laughing at me. He's like, I'm getting to see it. Yeah, because, and also, I stay <laughs> out until the end of the game. So what, what I love is Hugo. So, so in that moment, the Bills are losing, halftime rolls around. Was I pleasant to be around? Well. <laughs> Folks, it's 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 I I got I got the I think the real taste yeah. of, of of your nastiness sometimes in games in the Patriots game that I went to see. Yes. If you remember. Yeah, oh no. Yeah, you know, you see see you already understood what you were getting into. I it's, Yeah, yeah. At the time it was good because um to buy the tickets, it was very easy because the they were like all the tickets behind you were available. Yeah, that's not a shock, is it? No. <laughs> Chris, are you shocked to hear that all of the seats surrounding us were empty? No. It's probably uh, my fault. No, I put that on. Nobody wanted to come because it was snowing and cold. <laughs> so the defense closes this game out. After I, I'm telling you, the second half was something I, I don't even know what to make of it. I mean, remember last week, Chris, we were talking about how the Falcons roster was just a bunch of chocolate. It was like your chocolate chip cookie analogy. Yeah. Okay. What if I had one, not even a bag of chocolate chips? What if I said, hey, make cookies, but here's half a bag? <laughs> That'd be tough. That's what the Falcons roster is. They've got a few tentpole players, nice pieces, and everybody else in between is pretty awful. It, over and over again on Sunday, you saw it. And it was nowhere more glaring than on the offensive line. Uh, the right guard, Chris Lindstrom, left tackle Jake Matthews, strong performances. They were the things that worked on the offensive line. But everything around him was crap. Uh, the rookie, uh, Jalen Mayfield, single-digit pass protection rating. Is that possible? It, apparently. He got an 8 uh, second year right tackle Caleb McGarry allowed four pressures and two sacks. <laughs> Their center was okay when they ran the ball, but if they asked him to pass protect, he got abused by Harrison Phillips and Ed Oliver. Just absolutely abused. They were a sieve, and we were on the right side of 
what was a hot mess for Atlanta. And the numbers that we put up on defense were what you would expect to see from a good defensive line against a really bad one. Harrison Phillips, guy not known for his pass rush. Okay. Six pressures, a sack, a fumble recovery, and a tackle for loss. Mario Addison, he chips in two pressures and a sack against that right tackle. But Greg Rousseau finishes the game as our highest rated defensive lineman. Three solo tackles, three pressures, a sack, a tackle for loss, and the strip sack that sparked our second touchdown drive of the game. We love to see it. Greg Rousseau was an animal in this game. That's the type of game you drafted him for. And he's a rookie, and he's still learning, which is why he's disappeared for chunks of the season. You know, everyone's like, oh, well, he's a first-round pick. He should be out there. What do you want? He's not T.J. Watt. Nobody is. He's not a Bosa. He's not a... But what he is is he's solid, and that's why you don't notice him, because he's not a glaring weakness. You'd notice him more if he was getting beaten. And in our scheme, I think it's a bit different. I'm not... I don't know much about X's and O's, Mm -hmm. Um, but I got... At least from the, what I see, that our scheme is also different, so we don't tend to go with the speed rushers. No. Sometimes I think that even also opens up at least holes that we don't want. Exactly. No, it, it leaves holes. Like Ed Oliver, everybody makes a big deal about Ed Oliver gets upfield too fast, and it leaves a vacancy that running backs can flow through, or that blockers can flow through. Greg Rousseau commands his space, and in this game, he did it well, and Ate that right tackle's lunch. I love it. I, I love it. And then Oliver handled the interior of the offensive line. Three solo run stops, two pressures, and a sack of his own. Cordero Patterson. Like, here's evidence that everything they were doing was good. Cordero Patterson's trying to rush to Jerry Hughes' side of the field. Jerry Hughes, you never heard his name called, really, during the game. But when they tried to rush to his side of the field off left tackle and left guard... Finished with negative seven yards on three carries. Because Hughes collapsed the tackle. And even though Matthews got him, we have too many more. We have horses, and you don't. And guys got there to clean up the plays. That's it. I mean, Cordell Patterson's a guy who had a resurgent season. Fantasy football owners know that. And yet, he had nowhere to go anytime they tried to put the ball in his hands. Because... We were collapsing their offensive line from all sides. All of that domination up front led to the Bills linebackers being able to cover in space, being able to do all the nice things that we know that they can do. Tremaine Edmonds, that tackle, it was in front of us. It was where it's like, oh, it's on the goal line. Tremaine Edmonds has him. Oh, and he gets driven back three yards into the end. You're like, damn it, you're 6'5", 255. How do you get driven back? (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. But at the same time, it is what it is. He is what he is. But for the majority of the game, our front seven commanded things. And in that second half, they really crushed him. And here's, and here's where you know it stands out, and here's how you know that that's real. Matt Ryan has been actually pretty good as a deep passer. Uh, Gage, their receiver Gage has actually done really well on deep passes. We were talking about it last week. This week, they didn't even really get to attempt any deep shots, and when they did, it did not go well. They're 3 of 8 in passes of over 10 air yards. No touchdowns. And if you take away the catch and run by Kyle Pitts, 
that one broken play that went for like 61 yards, you take that out, they have less than 30 total yards on passes of more than 10 yards through the air. Our defense has been unbelievable. Unbelievable. And I think that it's, I just think it's impressive to see how they were able to suppress everything that the Falcons wanted to do in the second half. I mean, it literally got to a point, and look at this, the Bills, at the top of the show, I read off some figures about Atlanta's second half offense. That's a byproduct of our defense clamping down when it matters. They held the Falcons to just nine minutes of possession in the second half. The Falcons only had the ball. It's a 30-minute half of football, and you had it for nine minutes. That's completely, or you say, you're in control. (laughs) Yeah, you controlled that game. That's not crazy. They held another football team down and essentially said, you don't get to do anything. Why? Because we're the Buffalo Bills. It's a credit to the job Frazier and Frazier McDermott have done in IDing game plans mid-game and just flipping the script. It's a big part of the reason why, despite giving up more than 20 points seven times this season, despite having games against, like that one against Tampa Bay, where they scored, what, 23 in the first, uh, 20, what, 21 or 24 in the first half? I think, yeah. We are still number two in opponent's second half points per game. Well, uh, Second best in the NFL next to New England. Tampa didn't score much against us in the second half. No! Because when you show us your offense and you show us what you want to do, we take the second half and we just take everything away. And that doesn't matter whether we have a Trey White. doesn't matter whether we have a Joey Bosa or a premier pass rusher. That's it. We, we take what we want from you in the second half when we recognize what it is you're trying to do on defense or on offense. I just... It's enough that on any given Sunday, like the Tampa game showed us, you're always in the fight, no matter how badly things go on offense. Yeah, but if it's too tight, the refs may, may get us. They get us. And I'll tell <laughs> so you what. I'm need su- to make sure that it's on our hands and not on the refs. <laughs> well, Chris, you want to talk about Lane, you want to talk about penalties? How about that call on Lane Clark? Chris, what do you think about that? The call on Matt Ryan, because a lot was made out of this. It, it, it was probably one of the biggest stories to come out of this game. Was, I, didn't, I didn't know that sliding forward also meant you gave yourself up. I guess that was a change yes. last year. I wasn't included on the email for it. I just assumed if you were baseball sliding, then you're down there diving forward until you touch, which oh. was over the line when he got touched. But as soon as you gave yourself up, you well, be- going forward. Well, I don't understand much about this, but... Wouldn't like probably that's why they change. I don't know. Like if I am a quarterback and I start to slide and this, I keep going until someone touches me and they cannot touch me in, in the wrong way or and the our flags flow up. Maybe they change because like yeah. uh, and you they uh, change advantage. it all around just because of the standard baseball hey, uh, slide. Like hey. uh, what's his face? He used to play for us. Kiko Alonso and Joe Flacco. Yes, they don't want shit like that happening. No, uh, I, I remember. Didn't uh, Heineke or I don't know what's his name of uh, Washington Taylor Heineke? Didn't he uh, did something like that in the and, and lost the game because he slid instead of uh, going forward? Yeah, no, no, that's one hundred percent. That 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 happened. 
Now, Chris, here's where this becomes important, though. The rule is the rule, but that wasn't the biggest issue from this. The biggest issue was Lane Clark. Remember how we talked about how over-officious this guy was? Yeah. From the Jaguars game, what an asshole he was. Well, here's what happens. He's, Matt Ryan slides and thinks he has the touchdown. So because he has the touchdown, he gets up and starts talking shit. And then he gets flagged for taunting. And then they determined that he was actually, you didn't score the touchdown. And oh, by the way, that taunting you did, yeah, it doesn't come after the, it's not on the kickoff now. Still counts. It's, it still counts. Apparently he asked, apparently he allegedly told Poyer that, uh, like, are you embarrassed? Oh. Allegedly. Okay. Well, well, I'm guessing that he's not known to be uh, probably an athlete. Yo, well, who's embarrassed now, Flack? Who's who's embarrassed now, Matt Ryan? Old son of a bitch. I I have a bet that's still going, Chris. Flacco and Matt Ryan bet. Flacco and Matt Ryan bet. It still exists because neither one of them have retired over who would have the better career. It's been going on since they're... De- Chris, at this point, who's had the better career? Joe Flacco. Is it Rings? Rings plays a huge part of it. <laughs> of course, right? Yeah. He, w- he won the show. If Matt Ryan couldn't have uh, blown away a 28-3 lead, <laughs> things would be different. Well, well I'll tell you what. Does Matt Ryan play defense? Put this, one in his sh- put this one in his hall of shame. You lost a game for your football team by talking shit when you didn't actually score a touchdown. I'm sorry. That's the rule. People might not like it. But they've been calling taunting on ridiculous stuff all year. That's the rule. It's the way it's been enforced. Don't act surprised when it comes back and bites you in the ass. Like what? I don't agree with it, right? I hate the taunting rule. I think it's stupid. I think the new enforcement of this is one of the dumber things I've seen in sports because you're taking emotion out of what's an emotional sport. In soccer, I, I I don't know. Can can you get uh, more than one taunting per per? Well, that was what I said. Imagine if you guys got yellow carded. You used to, you were telling me on New Year's Eve that you got yellow carded all the time. Uh, yeah, but uh, <laughs> he goes, yeah, I get a lot of yellow cards. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> I was saying I I don't get yellow cards. I, it was funny that I get guys get yellow cards against me because uh, I would win the ball and then I would be just and they'd cheat you. They, yeah, they would cut my legs off. Okay, so. Here's the thing. Imagine if they cut your legs out and you get up and you go, ha ha, and then they give you a yellow card. Yeah. That would be frustrating, right? Uh, there, there was some frustration, yeah. This I, is I, all I, stupid. I, yeah. It's all stupid. But it's like. But it's, it's the just, rule and it's the way they've been marshalling yeah. the rule all year. So nobody can get angry that Matt, that, that Matt Ryan's like, oh, this is, I don't think that, that was right. And blah, 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 blah. You know what they've been calling. You, you've seen it in your own games. So why did you think you could do it? I, I think he thought I got the touchdown 15 more yards. Yeah. I don't care. It's going to be look cool. And, then and that's it. He was like, I'm going to talk a little shit. And listen, I'm a shit talker. I am a boy. <laughs> I'm a braggart. So in that moment, I do the same thing, except it sucks that he didn't actually score. That's the, that's the heartbreaker here. Why don't they put that on the extra point? <laughs> they need to. Well, and they would have if he, they had ruled he had scored. Well, they were lining up for the 30-yard extra point. Yep. And then they no. realized, wait a minute, let's go back and look and see if he got in. And they said, nope, he gave himself up too early. I'm just talking in, in a general sense. That neat, like, I've never, I always see it applied on the kickoff. 
Why wouldn't you just apply it to the extra point and make that harder? That's true. Because if you get in... Rule change! Yeah. Let's lobby just, the NFL. Let's just say it's a, it's a tight game, and you get in to tie... To, when I mean tie the game, meaning extra point away from tying, and you get well, in final minute of the game, and you taunt somebody. The memo that I'm going to... And then you s- just put your kicker from a 30-yard field goal to a 47-yard field goal or 45-yard field yeah, goal. Yeah, or imagine that the time is out and you just need it uh, to win the game because it's tied. Yeah. The... The memo that I'm going to send to the NFL, to NFL officiating at the end of the season, Chris, I'll make sure to make a note of that. It'll be right under where I recommend they just set Carl Sheffers on fire. Just be like, listen, set him on fire like this was Salem in 1773. <laughs> yeah. Well, if we have, and also if we have uh, the playoffs uh, at home, we need to not allow any refs in the stands. Yeah. No. Oh, God. You, you get out of here. So final thoughts as we wrap this thing. Chris, your final thoughts on just what it was like to be at your first and only game of the season and to know that they beat the Atlanta Falcons, who you hate. They had no fan representation. We had one in our section, yeah. and he kept his mouth shut the whole time. Yeah, he was uh, <laughs> one row ahead of us, kind of in front of you. I didn't see many. There were more dickhead Falcon fans on Twitter than there were at the actual Actual game, but hey, one more game. We got uh, another win. One more game left. Win and win the division. What does it and mean? Then Drew, then what happens is uh, we win the division on Sunday on Sunday night, and then you guys storm the field, and you rip down both goalposts with your teeth. <laughs> Hugo, what did this win mean for you personally being here in Buffalo? Your first cold weather game. Now you're shirtless. Getting pictures of you with playoff bound on the banners back behind you. What did it mean to you to be a part of this? That was a great feeling. Do you feel uh, like you're a fi- like? You, let, let, let's put this way. So Chris hasn't been in a game since 2019, and I hadn't been in a game since 2019. I had a trip in 2020, passed to September, and passed now. Yeah. Uh, so it was like a very huge mix of emotions. I think that's why I went shirtless because <laughs> it was so much emotion, like so much. It was like uncertainty until I really arrived here. So it was like, will the borders close again? Will they not? Uh, now flights are being canceled. Will my flight being canceled or not? It was crazy until the day that I boarded. I remember Brett Coleman had just this, the day before finished an adventure that to get inside America. I yeah. think he, 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 I, he I, tried, he got to the California, the airport in California that he was going to, he got at 9am and he didn't take off until 5.30 PM because his flights just kept getting canceled and delayed. So you're right. It's chaos. So to know that you made it here, but did you have no idea? Like to know that I was able to help facilitate that just a little bit. Yeah. On that note, I checked my emails so that we traded first time. Mm. Uh, and uh, at the time, I had days and I said, Drew, I went to see the first game. Can you help me? And if you had replied to that email, my first game would have been against the Jets uh, in a, a ninth, uh, in 2018, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Instead, I went to Belgrade where some guy headbutted me. So I'm putting that on you. <laughs> 
I'm Chris. Am I? Am I or am I not the worst? You are the worst, <laughs> Chris. The worst. Yeah, you should be in a band. I would quit your job tomorrow. <laughs> Go be in a boy band. Go be in a boy band. Yeah, you know what? You know what you should do. You you look like you would fit into like the absolute worst. Uh, cover band for Color Me Bad. I'd like to think of myself as a white trash sporty spice. <laughs> I can see it. <laughs> it's funny you mentioned Brett Coleman, Hugo. Because, well, first of all, I'm glad you're here, dude. And I'm I'm just happy that we get to have this experience together. And that uh, I'm glad they won. Not just for myself and that they clinched, but for you. Because you came all this way and you're here and just... I I remember what it was like when they won for me. Having that here for you, I, I wanted that more than anything. I was fired up about it. And I just, I, I was, that's why I, it was hard for me to reconcile with them losing at halftime. Because I'm thinking in my head, this guy came halfway around the world to come watch his football game. And now what, they're going to lose? No, 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 that's not how this goes. They, 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 they can't do this. No, I have no control over that. <laughs> None of us do. But I felt in my bones, I'm like, it can't happen. I'm happy that it worked the way that it did. Now, I'm, I'm happy you mentioned Brett Coleman. Because my final thoughts start with a tweet of his from yesterday that goes, Wait, hold up. Josh Allen had 120 yards and three picks and the Bills still covered? Minus 13 and a half? What in the world? Yeah, Brett, that's the weird matrix that we Bills fans live in. On a day when Josh Allen wasn't throwing the ball well, were our star weapons, and that I think all of the offensive concepts that this team was built around, failed. This is a pass-first team. Quarterback-driven team. The team that dominated the New England Patriots? Pass-heavy, quarterback-driven. Well, I can tell you this. Uh, in soccer, normally, teams that do this, uh, they get to championships. You find a way to win. That's the most important thing. That's it. On a day when our worst passing performance was commensurate with our opponent's effort. Okay? We matched what they were able to bring to the table. Our three picks didn't matter. They didn't throw any touchdowns. Josh threw three picks, two of them ended in punts. Doesn't matter. The team found a different way to go win. And a surprising one, considering it's the first flashes of real life we've seen in that regard all year. We've seen some flashes in the Patriots game. A little bit. They dug deep and physically punished our opponent in a way that they haven't done anyone all season long. And you saw what starts to look like the bones of an offensive line that could actually be a problem for our opponents. Even when Ryan Bates goes out and John Feliciano is to come in, John Feliciano fared pretty well. But I think that's because they had momentum. You had a Spencer Brown, you had a Darrell Williams, you have a Mitch Morris, now you have a Deion Dawkins. You have one hole left on this offensive line Whereas before, earlier in the season, we were putting out Cody Ford. We were putting out uh, God knows who. We were shuffling people around trying to figure out how the world should work. 
Yeah, I always, I always uh, heard that uh, if you have uh, one hole in the offensive line, you can mask it. But if you have more than that, makes it trickier. Yeah, and you saw that. They dug deep, pummeled our opponent, and they did what was required to win the day. Uh, I don't know, but didn't help also having what some people suggested in the beginning of the season with Spencer Brown, but now it's uh, Tommy Doyle. Having the, uh, the I say, the jumbo tight end, or yeah. I don't know how they call it. When we, we lost Lee Smith, well, it doesn't matter. We've got, another, we've got another left tackle that we can roll out there. And he's a, he's a big boy. He can block. He's all of a sudden becoming what we used to think of, uh, of Bakker. He's becoming that guy. Hey, we can plug him in here. We can plug him in here. We can shift him around and do different things. That's the mark of a good, maybe even a great football team. And that's where we are, even if some of the performances that we've had this season have left us forgetting that. One of the biggest takeaways I have from this game, and I have it written down on my phone. i got to pull it up because I did it during the game. Yeah, so you're also interested uh, in your phone a lot? Yeah. Fantasy football? <laughs> well, fantasy football because I, I, I won a lot of money this weekend on fantasy football. Also... I met my uncle's friend, uh, my estranged uncle's friend, and ended up talking to him on the phone, and I reconnected with him, which is weird. Um, but also, because I was taking notes in the game, and here's what I came up with. When Sean McDermott got here, playoff caliber, right? That was the mantra that this team adopted. It was what we decided we wanted to be. They've been that in every season that Sean McDermott has been here. 2017, 2018, 6-10, but you finished strong. You got, you got that young kid up to speed, and you were, you were winning out to end the season. Outside of that 2018 season, Sean McDermott has been a winning playoff caliber head coach. Yeah. I don't know why he hasn't won a coach of the year, at least... Two of the seasons, what he did, for me, it was more than enough to be one coach of the year. And when you consider that he, like 2018, had the rawest rookie quarterback. Remember? He's the one who was 10,000 pass reps behind Baker Mayfield. They were like, he's, he's so far behind developmentally. Like, it'll take him forever to catch up to all these other quarterbacks. Now, yeah. he's surpassed pretty much all of his draft class. Oh. All. All. He went into that season with a roster that looked like it was purchased at Goodwill. <laughs> yeah, I think... I, 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 still today, I don't know what happened, because if you look at it, it was crazy. It's like the offensive line, the receivers. Uh, it, yeah, I, I think it's... Uh, as you said, it was like the... Chris, remember me cussing out Charles Clay? Oh, yeah. You lazy mother... Lean forward and get that first down, you piece of shit. Like, I remember crossing him out on, a, on the regular because he was terrible, and he was supposed to be one of the weapons. Kelvin Benjamin, who ate his way out of the NFL. And then he came out of that 2018 season and has taken the Bills on a ride. Playoff appearance after playoff appearance after playoff appearance. Now, he joins Marv Levy as the only coach in franchise history besides him 
to win 10 consecutive games in three consecutive years. Yeah, and I don't see that 10 stopping. plus games in three years. Yeah, I don't see that stopping in the near future. We're lucky to have him. We're lucky to have Sean McDermott. For all you people who don't like him, we are lucky to have him. And what he's done for this football team and the culture he's built, it's real. It's in it's you can no longer deny that this because I know I remember people used to go, oh, the okay, the process, it's a shtick. It's not a shtick if you get people who believe in it. If you get people who believe in it, it's called a mantra. And when the mantra takes hold, yeah. That's right now. You are wearing again one of the coolest shirts, the Master of Process, and it's him clapping over this Metallica shirt with all these football players. I love it. I gotta go buy one of these shirts. But that's what he is, and we are so lucky to have him here in Buffalo. And then I want to I want to look at a tweet real quick because usually this is where I'd wrap it. But my thoughts leaving this weekend. A tweet by Dan Lavoy on Twitter. Dan R. Lavoy. He goes, weird stats. Here we go. Josh Allen, from 2018 to 2020, eighth, eight four, fourth quarter comebacks, which was third most in the NFL, 11 game-winning drives, which was fourth most. Allen in 2021, zero comebacks and zero game-winning drives. The Bills are 0-5 in one-score games this year. Every win has been by 12 or more points. Those stance are, they're not just weird. Some of you might see them as damning. I see them as inspiring. No team since the 1985 San Francisco 49ers have made the playoffs while going 0-5 in one-score games. Yeah, I'm guessing. Guess what? I'm guessing one score games. It's probably a statistic that changes every year. Yeah. So that means that we could even be better next year just by the law of averages. We're zero and five, and we've punched our ticket. We're in. Illustrating that we're succeeding in the face of adversity that would have swallowed up a lot of lesser football teams. Zero comebacks and zero game-winning drives in 2021 sounds like it should sting a little bit. It sounds like it should hurt your feelings as a football fan. Unless you step back and realize that Tennessee, Tampa, New England, one or two individual plays in the last seconds of the game, that's the difference for qualifying for each one of those. And remember that unlike a lot of, a lot of those teams... We have a quarterback who has the historical numbers to show that he's done it before. He's done these things. He In these big moments in the past, he's risen to the occasion. It's, it, it, it's more improbable that he would have zero than he would have one or two, right? Yeah. I don't think it's a matter of he can't do it. I think he's due. If anything else, it's like the guy in softball. Or it's like the guy in soccer who you know can score goals. He just hasn't scored in a while. Nobody's mad at him. They just go, he's going to get it eventually. Well, they're not, not get mad. Well, <laughs> Yeah, they're not getting mad. But you know deep down that, that guy who's the, the lead scorer on your soccer team, you uh, know that he's going to get his eventually. Right? I should uh, show you some collection of failures from my <laughs> forwards. <laughs> yeah. So my point is, Josh Allen's due, okay? 
It's not that he can't, because I think he's proven that he can he can lead this team down the field in crunch time and go seal a game. It just hasn't worked that way this year. And then every win by 12 points? What does that tell you? That if you don't bring your A game and you come in here with some bullshit like the Atlanta Falcons just did, we will send you packing. And we don't... It, it's not... It's not difficult for us to make you look bad as a football team. So with that in mind, ask yourself, Hugo, do you believe that they're capable of something bigger than just playoff caliber? Oh, yeah. All the way. Maybe championship caliber? Championship caliber all the way. is uh, The way that things are going this year, any team can beat any team. So I think it's even better because uh, last year... People were afraid of Kansas City Chiefs. Now, I think every team has an embarrassing loss. Now, it's not like you can look at any team and find any flaws. Of course, Kansas City is getting hot at the right moment. We are getting hot at the right moment. At least most people were thinking before the Atlanta game. But if we get a run game out of this and we still keep uh, our ability to pass and our good defense, we can... Win against anyone. Chris, I believe. What do you think? Well, they were going to the Super Bowl in the preseason, so. <laughs> well, and also, uh, from the sports team I've seen in America, so I watched, because um, I went to work in, in Washington, I saw the Capitals, they won the Stanley Cup, I went to see the Nationals, even after they lost, uh, I don't know, I think their best player, they won the World Series. Now it's the Bills. So it's our turn. It's, it's our, our turn, turn, baby Hugo. Yes, your your presence seals it. Ch- guys, start booking your flights to Buffalo for the Super Bowl parade. No, I mean it, guys. The only thing left out there to do is to go grab the AFC East title and find out. Yeah. Let's go find out where this ends. I'm going to be there. You're going to be there, Hugo. For sure. And if you're listening to this and have the ability to be out there with us, you better show up. Not like last week where we had a bunch of cop-outs. I want to hear everybody out there loud and proud. Come see us at the tailgate, 5330 Big Tree Road, over in the mud lot. Guys, let's go do this thing together. Let's celebrate the Bills being the next big thing in the AFCs together. Yeah, and back-to-back titles. How long has been back-to-back titles for the Bills? <laughs> took 25 years. No one's done Let's it. go get it. Let's go take it. Guys, I can't wait, but we got to get the hell out of here. I'm Drew Gear. That's Chris Krueger. That's Hugo Carmona. And this has been your Rockpile Report. Have you heard about the 2018 study that showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? No? Well, now you have. I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual, a company making traceability the new standard in the supplement industry. I remember staring at my prenatal vitamins and finding all these things I was trying to avoid. High amounts of heavy metals, synthetic colorants, and unnecessary ingredients. So, at four months pregnant, I quit my job and started Ritual, because I believe that all women deserve to know what they're putting in their bodies and why. I'm so proud of our prenatal vitamins. The ingredients are 100% traceable, it's third-party tested for microbes and heavy metals, and recently received the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. You see, we trace like a mother because, let's be honest, no one cares quite like a mother. 
But don't just take my word for it. Trace for yourself with 25% off at ritual.com slash prenatal.